0: Welcome to Urban Foundry. All opinions expressed by Andrew Urban, Paige O'Neill, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Collier's International, Inc. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Collier's International may maintain positions in the properties discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to the Urban Foundry podcast, your go-to source for urban real estate news and conversations. I'm Andrew Urban.
1: And I'm Paige O'Neill, and we will be your co host as we explore the future of downtown real estate. This This is Urban Urban Foundry.
0: Foundry. Welcome back to Urban Foundry. It's another one with Paige and Andrew. Paige, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Yeah. Doing all right.
0: Um, It's a Monday here. Big news that's been coming out. Uh, I guess it might be the end of WeWork.
1: The end. Of a 47, once 47 billion company.
0: January 2019, peak valuation of 47 billion. By September, it had cut cut basically in half. And as of roughly August, Mm -hmm. 400 million.
1: That's crazy.
0: What I just looked at their stock
1: ride. price Yeah, and it's currently trading at 13 cents a share.
0: Yeah. Well that's what happens when you put out a statement that you're not certain as <laughs> to the viability <laughs> of continuing ob- uh, your operations yeah. and you do a 40 for one stock split. Yeah. It kind of backfired. Um, here's the thing. End of the day, we got to give some credit to WeWork. Mm-hmm. We got to give credit to WeWork because they revolutionized what executive co-working could be. The concept wasn't new Mm -hmm. and we can talk about how this happened. But at the end of the day, they, they, they created co-working or flexible office or executive suites didn't have a buzzword. And now there's boomers that refer to all co-working as we working. That's true. Right. It's kind of like Xerox. They kind of
1: put them back not back on the bat but on the map but more on a the They made it ubiquitous. Yeah.
0: Beforehand this was just a weird little niche and they brought in cool interior design, they brought workplace programming forward for a long time in the late 2010s. Everyone wanted their office to look like a WeWork. Mm-hmm. They defined what was cool. Right. That's awesome. That's impressive. The downside was is Silicon Valley as well as the commercial real estate industry fell for it. Yeah. They thought, hey, this is different. But at the end of the day, the fundamentals of the business were renting out one desk or one office at a time to individual people on short-term, flexible arrangements. Mm-hmm. And the first nail in the coffin was obviously when September 2019 rolled around. And this feels like a long time ago, but it really wasn't. They filed for their IPO. A bunch of stuff didn't smell right to Wall Street. Before you knew it, Adam Newman was, was out. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he got an amazing severance package. He's probably the only one that won. Yeah He got the last laugh. Kudos to Adam Newman, in a way, I'm not saying what he ethically did was right. right. But at the end of the day, right, I don't know if we can knock Adam Newman.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And here's why I say that. If you look at people that invested, leading up to that 47 billion dollars Softbank, as an example, Softbank, one of the largest private investment funds in the world obviously have tons of other limited partners and the you know, Saudis and MRIDs and, and major, very sophisticated money. They had every opportunity to do due diligence and they didn't do it mm-hmm. or they, they did it in in a way that, right. you know, right. And they wanted to justify the valuation and they did everything in their power to will into uh, some sort of revolutionary unicorn, right? Yeah. No one asked the hard questions. I mean, did Adam Newman lie? I don't know. As far as everything that I've read, I've listened to podcasts. I've watched the movies. I've watched the documentaries. Potentially you can say he misrepresented things, but what's the difference between being a promoter and an advertiser and a marketer and that, right? That's a fine line. Right. Yes. Or just a
1: really good salesperson.
0: Really good salesperson. Secondly, you know, there was some double dealing going on. Okay. That can be handled separately. But in my opinion, and granted, you know, I'm not the DOJ, I'm not SEC, Mm -hmm. but to date, no charges have ever been filed. Right. And if, and if they're, they're worth smoking guns, I would imagine that they would have come out by now. At the end of the day though, I mean, it was on these investors and some of them extremely sophisticated, extremely experienced to be able to look through the bullshit. Right. That's their job. Right. On behalf of the capital that they invest and they didn't do it. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. So I don't feel bad for the investors. They, you know, it's not like this was a true all out and out fraud,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? It was clever marketing, right? I mean, their marketing was just amazing, <laughs> right? They created this is a community. This isn't co working. This is a, a lifestyle mm-hmm. brand, right?
1: Well, but, also, like you said, it's it was cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, what is the difference, Paige? This is going to resonate with you. What's the difference between Lululemon? And just a pant, uh, a yoga pants company. What's the difference?
1: Lulu's cool. You want to be seen in your Lulu,
0: right? It says something about you, right? It it's it signals to the world, I'm cool, right? The arguably there's probably better yoga pants manufacturers, yes, that make a better product.
1: That maybe remember when Lulu went through that like moment where their pants were but they were safer? fat shaming.
0: Well, that and they were fat shaming people. I don't remember that. You don't I remember just... the fat shaming?
1: I well I. At that time, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, no. At that time, (laughs) I was very loyal to Nordstrom, so I didn't really shop elsewhere.
0: Got it. Got it. But it's it's no different than a brand, right? What's the difference, you know, between that? And it's it's all about building the lifestyle, engaging with your your customers, making a product that's cool that you want to brag to people that hey, I work at the we work at X and X. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Here's, though, the the reality, right? So they they issued this statement, you know, in early August saying, hey, we, we're not sure if we can stay in business. Right. Immediately do a 40 for one stock split. I'm not going to get into CFA level 101. But essentially what it does is it dilutes their shareholders in hopes that investors come pick up stock at a discount and raise their equity value to be able to stay listed. Right. There are certain requirements about companies listed on the NYSE that if you dip below a certain valuation in a certain period of time, you can become delisted.
1: So isn't it a dollar for 30 days? Is that what Correct. I just read? Yeah. Correct. Okay.
0: And it's a way to kind of temporarily boost your stock price to be able to keep um, on the listed exchange, meaning you can buy their shares not over the counter. Because the moment you get delisted, doesn't mean you're off the index, but you're delisted. Mm-hmm. You can still sell your shares over the counter, but... Typically, like average people, don't trade over-the-counter securities, right? So your value, your liquidity drops, and your value tends to drop really rapidly. So, but here's the implication for commercial real estate. Per CoStar, they have over seventy locations. This is just Manhattan alone. Seventy locations with greater than fifty thousand square feet apiece.
1: For WeWork. For WeWork. Oh my
0: god! Across Manhattan and the outer boroughs. Okay. Seventy. That's at fifty thousand square feet or larger.
1: The most expensive rent Mm -hmm. possible.
0: Yeah. And these are all of size locations, right? I mean, 50,000 square feet or more, you know, 20 neighborhoods, 70 locations across Manhattan and the outer boroughs, 50,000 square feet or more. Why does that matter? Right. Well, that matters because that takes a lot of these buildings. That's a large chunk. Mm -hmm. And in some of these buildings, they were the majority tenant. Right. So if you're the owner that has WeWork in, in your building- they issue that statement and their stock price is tanking. You go,
2: <laughs> shoot, oh, no.
0: how much longer is the check gonna clear? Right. And then worst case scenario goes, okay, we can go sue them, but guess what? I'm going to be in line Right. with every other landlord with in America. No
1: guarantee to ever get your money back
0: on top of it. You have bondholders, other creditors that are all in line too. They're all going to want their piece. So the odds of you collecting anything is slim to none.
1: Of those 70 locations, you don't have like user numbers in front of you, do you?
0: As far as what their occupancy is? Yeah. You know, that's a good point, right? So in some of these locations, I imagine that other co-working brands are going to try to backfill,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? Rebrand, take over the site, make it work. Some of these landlords might try to self-perform, try to run their own co-working, et cetera. You know, at the end of the day, though, a lot of times these were fixed leases. Mm -hmm. In the market for co-working and this is maybe a surprise to our listeners. It may not be a surprise to our listeners is moved to what's called a rev share a revenue share model or a participatory lo- or lease. What that means is you're not paying fixed rent, or maybe you pay a very nominal amount of fixed rent to the landlord. The rest of it's based on net income of the center and you split the profit with the landlord. Got it. Skin in the game, right? Yeah. So the reality is, is if you had to take that over from scratch, whether you're bringing in a new operator or you're going to become an operator yourself, you know, you're know you going to face downtime mm-hmm. You know because a lot of people are going to go, hey, I, I had an agreement with WeWork. These are license agreements. If WeWork ceases to exist, I'm out. I'm going to go relocate, go find something else, maybe work from home. Who knows? Maybe move to a competitor. At the end of the day, you're going to have to remarket the space, refill it up. So at the end of the day, who's holding the bag are the landlords mm-hmm. on
2: this. Mm-hmm.
0: And so it's going to cause major issues. On top of that, we know that the numbers, commercial mortgage-backed securities kind of rolling in the next three years is about a trillion dollars. Most of that balance is concentrated in markets like Manhattan, Los Angeles, San Francisco, where property prices pre-2020 were at all-time highs. And so not only do these owners face valuation resets because of interest rates and because of the fact that office has become very difficult to get financing for, on top of it, they possibly have some tenant a tenant going bust.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In particular, maybe large tenants. Bad news.
1: Can you imagine the stress of that? Or <laughs> <laughs> anyone a top exec in WeWork right now? You oh, think you and I are yeah. stressed with two
0: kids? Two kids and work. I mean, the the reality is, you know, um, yeah, that's a lot of stress. Trying to figure out: Are you going to continue operations? Are you not? Or are you just going to roll up shop? You know, part of this could be a cry for a suitor to come Mm -hmm. along and buy them. Mm -hmm. Problem being is a lot of these leases that we're talking about were done under fixed-term obligations during the rent boom in Manhattan from 16 to 19. Yeah. So in a lot of cases, a lot of these deals were struck at, uh, you know, above what's now above market rents. So if you're going to come in and buy the business, do you want to come in and buy that, buy those obligations essentially? Unless you're getting a steep, steep discount. Right. So it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out, you know, over the next few few months. I mean, I imagine that it's not gonna go away quickly at the end of the day and it's gonna cause a lot more consternation and credit exposure for the lenders that lend on these properties. So the story for office, and if I were to sum it up is what was a bad situation is going to get worse for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, but for a lot of people, in particular, major markets where we work got very ambitious with growth.
1: Well, and I'm thinking about the client impact, even for us, because we have some clients who use WeWork space.
0: We got invoices out to WeWork right now. I know. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. That are going unanswered. We're, we're not unaffected by this. Yeah. At all. You know. And that was my first thought. And then having conversations with clients about what are our options. You know, at the end of the day, you have a license agreement with WeWork. So the moment they split, you you can go find a new location. Your mm-hmm. lease is, it's not like a lease where the bank building goes bankrupt and you're still obligated to the bank, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to be obligated to WeWork if they cease operations on the center. Yeah. Good news for tenants.
1: Good news. Yeah. Because especially as rates are
0: I mean, honestly, dropping. part of this is a validation of that, that business model. Mm-hmm. That's why tenants were attracted and have been more and more so, especially post-COVID, to have more co-working and flexible workplace in their portfolios versus traditional office. Because in a case like this, you go, all right, well, this kind of sucks. Maybe it's a pain in the butt to go find 50 desks for folks. But at the same time, you know, if a building under the old model, if you had a direct lease and the building went bankrupt and services slipped, you were still tied to your lease. You weren't getting out.
1: Yeah. And at the same time, some companies now have a better understanding of what their hybrid strategy looks mm-hmm. like, how many people are actually in the office, how much space they actually need, et cetera.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't think it's bad for tenants. Maybe in some markets, it might be tough to go find space, but there still is plenty of direct leasing options you know, maybe maybe the model shifts yeah. back a little bit until the market. And like I said, a lot of these locations might roll over to local operators or other operators mm-hmm. to give an alternative to some of those, um, you know, licensees of WeWork space. You know, the other piece of this too is it's going to probably, you know, the ones that are the net losers are the landlords. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, there's no way to cut 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 that any other way. You know, aside from the creditors and investors in WeWork that are also the net losers. But I also feel you know to some extent um you know for the investors in particular they they should have known or they should have been more aware of the risks yeah period yeah um i think for the co-working industry it probably changes things a little bit but at the end of the day i think there's a lot of other operators out there that have been much more conservative in their growth much more fundamentally driven and weren't growing for the sake of growing mm-hmm. so i don't mm-hmm. think the industry's i don't think this is a you know,
2: knock. Of,
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A knock against the industry as a whole. I think right. the problem was, is you had an industry that largely was sleepy and boring and someone made it sexy. And then other investors lined up cause they didn't want to the FOMO if you're missing out mm-hmm. and it got too big for its britches. Simply kind of, you know, folksy way of putting it. Right. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the yeah. End of the day. That, and,
1: yeah. It's just crazy. From a number standpoint, it's crazy to see the high, the rise and fall quickly Mm -hmm. in a short time of
0: yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, is that, is that a, is that a verdict on commercial real estate or is that a verdict on the venture capital world?
1: Right. Well, I think if anyone would have come in and done the same thing, we'd probably be telling the same story.
0: Yeah. And there's plenty of other examples. I mean, look at crypto, look Mm -hmm. at, there's, there was a lot in 2019, 18, 17, just, I don't know, it was, the cheap money era. Yeah. I think that's what we're all calling it now. And capital was cheap, debt was cheap, everyone right. was chasing growth at any cost, right? And now, you know, I think there's some sobriety in markets. And mm-hmm. we're going, okay, is this business ever going to really make money? Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, yeah. and there's plenty of examples of that. And and a lot of the big tech companies for themselves too have kind of gotten a little more fiscal austerity.
1: hmm Maybe by the time this episode airs we'll hopefully not say not have to pull it. Cause we were no longer
0: <laughs> or record a like a, a part two. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't see them going away in, in, that, in that short of time, yeah. but you know, I mean, sometimes these things just creep up, mm-hmm. you know, cause you just don't know, but they've been publicly traded for a while. You know, it, it's tends to understand what that, 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 that's happening at the, you know, with their, their service obligations on their debt as well as other creditors. But You know, it could change further, you know, uh, really quickly. And and the problem is, is like I said, for these landlords, they're, they're all holding the bag.
1: Yeah. 13 cents a share. Should we go buy a hundred dollars worth and see what happens? Maybe. (laughs) I know. I'm like, wait,
0: is that the GameStop mentality, right? Yeah. Just yellowing it all the way.
1: Penny stocks.
0: You never know. I mean, like I said, at that valuation, you know, I think part of this could be, is they're looking for a suitor to come in and, and provide either rescue financing or, 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 or swallow it whole. Mm Mm-hmm. Trouble is, like I said, it's hard to, you know, just knowing what I know about their books, hard to justify going and paying above market rent right? without going each and every one of the, the landlords. I mean, there are some situations where you might strategically stop paying rent and demand a restructure. It's not fun, but it was done during the great financial crisis mm-hmm. where a lot of tenants just across their portfolios, and I won't name names, stop paying rent. Hmm. And they called all their landlords saying, hey, if you want rent to turn back on, <laughs> let's talk. It's technically you're in default.
1: Yeah. I was like, is that legal?
0: Yeah. But it's, it's a game. It's like all litigation. It's game theory, right? It's like if you're a big corporation or you have a lot of sway with their valuation Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, who's going to blink first. And it's a game of chicken to some extent, but it can work. Mm -hmm. Um, Commercial real estate has been largely insulated from it, but that's actually a, a, a pretty interesting move that you see when debt markets shift. So they'll go to bondholders and say, "Hey, I'm going to buy you out right now." Yeah, or I'm just going to stop paying. I'm trying to think if I could. And your done bonds that are my, worthless
1: to my landlord in Jersey.
0: <laughs> well, probably. Did not. you have a place to stay I'm otherwise? Here, you know, that's the key, right? Yeah. You know, so we'll 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 see what happens. I do think, you know, at the end of the day, I don't see a way that they recover on their own. Mm-hmm. Could there be a white knight that comes in, and tries to save them, buy pieces of the business? I could see someone taking certain parts of their international portfolio to augment a North American portfolio, mm-hmm. and then letting the North American portfolio die. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think if you're a landlord with WeWork as a tenant right now, you got to be really nervous.
1: Hopefully, none of them are listening.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure uh, they may be, they um, may be. but they're they're probably well aware of this, and this yeah. won't be news it's to them. No,
1: yeah, it's nothing if you've if you're watching any
0: news. The other thing I do think it's going to impact tenants are, and we've already seen it in, in this market cycle that we're in this resetting, um, you know, they're getting much more, uh, kind of deliberate or cautious about credit worthiness of tenants mm-hmm. in general.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think this is only going to continue to accelerate. Um, yeah. we've seen deposits go up, securitizations, letter of credits go up. Uh, so the easy money days where there wasn't a lot of risk and, and it felt like the go-go years is probably over. Um, uh, for, for a while until things reset or, or people, you know, get more ambitious, uh, with their targets. So we'll see.
1: All right. So you have to end on a, something happy. We got to end with a, a happy note.
0: Yeah. There was a lot of doom and
1: gloom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow eh, wow I,
0: I mean, I think the the happy note is in a way, like I said at the beginning, I think we give, we work a lot of credit for revolutionizing office space and really their, their impact will long outlast whatever happens here. Mm hmm cool, collaborative, open offices, amenitized with neat fit outs have become the standard.
1: Yeah, they did that right. They did that right.
0: I mean, they had a vision that I think uh, was pretty neat at the end of the day. And and honestly, it was pretty easy to get hooked into, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you know, this idea of community, this idea of collaboration and a different way of working, Right. you know, maybe they were early, maybe they didn't have the right model that wasn't distinctly different. But at the end of the day, I think they move the needle a lot, mm-hmm. and I think their impact and the people that have worked there will spread out and continue to have that impact ongoing. Right? The reality is for the office market, I don't know if there's something positive other than you know th- what we see is the buildings that are cool and amenitized, WeWork esque, mm-hmm. are continuing to do well. That's right. And I, I think that yeah. I think that tells you something. Yeah, that they were onto something. They just didn't have the right business model mm-hmm. or, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure there's two sides to the story Correct. Uh, uh, as far as how they investors, you know, part of that too, is sometimes these investors like to pump up the value because mm-hmm. it serves their own ends. And so, you know, in a way there's probably some guilt to share there. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know, Paige, what else is positive?
1: I'm trying to think, I don't know.
0: it does feel it
1: does feel a little gloomy
0: does feel gloomy these days yeah it doesn't feel um as happy feels a lot more sober a lot more sober you know at the end of the day though i mean like this too shall pass yes and you know the economic data you know just for our listeners and i this is not an economic you know rundown but you know if you've been looking at jobless claims and things like that and the fed slowing on their interest rate increases i mean There's a lot of consensus on Wall Street that we're doing a soft landing. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't want to call it that until it, until it it does occur. I still think there's some pretty serious ramifications in debt markets that have yet to be worked out because everything like that moves in slow motion. And it's also scary if I go back to 2007, there was a, people forget that rates were being raised pretty dramatically Oh six oh seven under Bernanke and, um, Oh gosh, I'm just, some of these names are escaping. It's been so long, I can see him Paulson, Hank Paulson. And you know, there was a lot of articles in 07 that said, hey, we're going to have all these rates raised. And we're going to have a soft landing, even though the you know residential market was was collapsing. And mm-hmm. we all know that didn't occur. No,
1: it was not. It was a hard. <laughs> the crash. shoe
0: dropped a year later yeah. where people are like, why didn't anyone see this? Yes. Well, you know, so you got to you got to hold your tongue as much as it's fun to, to play weatherman. A right. Little bit, it right. Is, is a weatherman game. So we will see. But I think there's maybe some positives or more resiliency in the system. At the same time we have a presidential election coming up next year that is gonna be made for TV reality show yeah. worthy. We got indictments.
1: There's a lot going we on. We
0: got scandal.
1: I just I'm gonna got, I think I made the decision. I think I'm gonna get off social media just like I I just it's too much.
0: You gotta live like me. LinkedIn only for work. That's it. Yeah. That's my only social media. No,
1: I don't want any news. I don't want it's just it's ignorance so is yeah
0: i i i i curate my own news i still keep up with things right but i don't have the um amateur opinions and editorial
1: it's just it's just noise extra noise that it's not necessary right now but right. keep listening to us
0: yeah keep <laughs> listening to us. we're not noise we're I not promise. noise we're important <laughs> we're special
1: yeah you heard it here
0: yeah that's true but we have some great episodes coming up thank you guys so much for listening and until next time This is Andrew.
1: See you later. See you later. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to like or follow us on LinkedIn and YouTube at Urban Foundry Podcast.